Hey everyone, and welcome to this recording and episode of Co-Creating with AI. I'm Martin, and with me as always is Rasmus. How are you today, Rasmus? I'm good. I woke up uh, quite energized and uh, yeah, excited to chat with you today. Um, and uh, today I think we're going to chat about uh, you know hosting your own AI models um, and the benefits of it uh, versus you know calling APIs. I mean, of course, there are benefits of both, but um, I think for most and for me, I'm uh, you know much more knowledgeable within you know, what you can do with the kind of services out there that you can call the API. Uh, and of course, the consumer services that you just log into and use yourself. So yeah, I mean, I would, I'd love to dive, dive into that. I know you've been experimenting a bit with that lately. So maybe, I don't know, maybe just start there, like what, what you've been doing and what you've been discovering, and, and then we can take it from there. Yeah. And uh, first, just to, to frame it with, with what we're actually talking about is that uh, AI's, uh, AI models are run on GPUs, and often you need pretty heavy um, uh, power, like hardware power in order to run inference on models or train them. And uh, um, what, what I've done up until now for a long time is to basically almost, all, uh, almost use uh, other other people's APIs. Other people are hosting their their AI models and offering them as a service through an API, and you pay for it often by for you pay for every call, or even like in in the case of OpenAI, you pay for the number of tokens that you that you send in and you get back. So it's a very like it's the the model is very fixed on on the, the value you get. Which is awesome because uh, then it's very cheap. If you don't get any value, it doesn't cost anything. And then as as your value goes up, the cost goes up linearly. So that the API model is uh, awesome. I'm very familiar with it, and and still I'm having so much fun exploring what happens when I host my own models on on hardware that I control. And and in in my case, I rent it from the cloud since buying expensive GPUs is is actually not worthwhile when you can just rent it by the hour cool okay so i mean so that's interesting so you're because uh, i want to dive into the benefits of it but just on a high level right mm -hmm. so do you think like i mean because obviously just to, to sort of make a punch for the apis right that the main benefit there is you know getting something that works you know well for a specific use case yeah. quickly with you know very little development time right and yeah. without having to care about a lot of the things, I mean, I guess the DevOps of the model, like where it exactly. runs, etc. Yeah. And and uh, and now you've taken like a little bit, like one one small step further down the stack, I guess, mm. with uh, you know renting your own GPU, so to say. I mean, it's not only yeah. yours, but like renting yeah. GPUs and deciding a model to run on it for a use mm. case you want to. So can you just dive into like what, what that enables maybe? Like what what have you seen so far? Because you were quite excited like in the pre-chat about, uh, you know, the kind of the flexibility it gave you. So can you just like, uh, can you exemplify yeah. that some way? Yes. Yeah, so so I'm, I'm working on a conversational model and an AI that I can talk to. And, um, and in, in this case, what I can do is I can I and what I need to do uh, is that I need to really tweak the the, the small details of uh, of uh, how that solution will be set up, 
and it also turns out that when I when I um, sort of cobbled together a, a service like that from existing commercial APIs, the end result becomes very expensive. I I need to uh, uh, like glue together, I think maybe six or seven different AI models with different uh, different uh, purpose like understanding spoken uh, conversation reasoning about the results and uh, maybe fetching data from somewhere and then inferencing uh, uh, something to say back and then speaking like turning text into into audio voice and so all of that is like in in that value chain there there's probably six or seven apis that can all be pretty expensive to run uh, continuously which is like in a conversation you you want to like have a meeting with an ai or have an ai listening to a meeting it can it can be an hour long or more and if you want to do that often uh, the cost can actually become uh, prohibitive so what i can do with uh, with renting my own um, gpu in the cloud that i can put maybe half or or most of those models on the same hardware. So I can create my own stack on a single computer uh, or or a set of of computers. And uh, I can uh, then rent that box by the hour and pay for all of it by the hour and just use that GPU hour to have the flexibility to, to... like paying once and then using that uh, um, compute for my purposes the way I I choose to. Okay, that's interesting. So, in, so in this case, did you first cobble together the APIs? Yes, that's how you did yes. it. So you yeah. first cobbled together a bunch of APIs, and you started to get to like, okay, I'm starting to understand how this should work. Yeah. you know, and this could work. And I guess yeah. I mean, it's not a finished product, right? But but mm. still. And then you're discovering that, oh, this will be cost prohibitive. This won't uh, work. Is exactly. that like, and then you started looking at like, yeah. okay, how do I do that? Uh, and, and then you start finding open source models that are, uh, you know, uh, cor- like, I guess, equivalent or like correspond to do the same mm. thing as the ones you were previously taking via API. Is that like yeah. how you've been approaching it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was actually not the cost that was a driver for me to start exploring hosting my own models. It was uh, the flexibility because you run into limitations with the API where where you can't uh, um, you you actually can't uh, in, influence how they receive data or send data to the granularity that you that you that I need. And can, you, ex- also... can you give an example, like just yeah, like anything so, specific there? Yeah, so I want to understand what happens in a conversation, like in such a minute detail that, like, it there's no one else uh, providing that the the level of detail that I feel that I that I want to explore. I want to give the the AI like a millisecond by millisecond map of what happens in the conversation, so it can partake with with the same amount of flow that um, that a human can do. And there's no API that does that. Uh, there's, uh, there's, like the, it, it's a very like, um, like sending data back and forth. Here's audio. Get, give me text back. Oh, now I have text. Mm. How should I reason about this text? And and then there are there's some streaming APIs, and 
and that live like can take in data in real time and give back data in real time, which is super valuable when you're building a like a flowy conversation. But but those then are providing much less information uh, because they are not as refined. That like their unique selling point is the real time. There's no there's no like best of both worlds in the API world where you can get both. Uh, the the most features with the most details delivered, but also uh, like the fastest in real time. The, the, in the API API world, the companies are doing trade offs where like people needing real time, they might not need that much detail, or so, so or it takes time for them to do that. Right. So it's basically you like instead of someone else making the trade offs, you make the trade offs because there are always yes. trade offs to be made, right? And then you can yeah. make the trade offs you need. Okay, that that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Uh, but I mean, you still do like you're not training your own models yet, right? You have no, you're you're, you're taking existing um, existing open source models, and and because yeah. like one of the main I guess narratives out there, and that at least I've sort of heard and seen, you know, data on evals on like evaluations on, is that the open source models uh, generally are not up to scratch with, say, the state-of-the-art models, right? So there's still no open source equivalent to GPT-4, as as far as I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no, as far as I've heard, uh, open source equivalent to, say, Whisper, you know, text-to-audio, audio-to-text. Uh, so what, like, have you, um, like, have you, like, l- looked into that yet? Like, have you, when you start, you know, experimenting with these open source models, which I think, I guess they all are, the ones you're self-hosting, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and now you're taking these, I guess, the best-in-class kind of API-provided models and that stack, and now you're going to move it to your own stack, so to say, on your own GPU. Mm. Like, what's been mm. your experience with that? Like, is that a false narrative, or is it, like, uh, a challenge? So... There is a challenge. Like I've been, I, I'm not, uh, I'm no, like I'm not a full stack developer. But so, uh, like the past few weeks, I've been uh, have like has circled a lot around learning how Docker works and how to deploy AI models to the cloud, and and going through a lot of of uh, frustration around that as well. And uh, and that those hurdles are solved with API, like with APIs uh, providing. Uh, similar but less flexible functionality, I I was able to be up and running like uh, in a minute with every API. It's it's so quick to to explore with when someone else has done all the work to deploy a model to the cloud, uh, to explore the capacity of that model and so on. But but regarding the capability of open source versus uh, closed source, um, actually uh, with the 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 base like the the foundation reasoning engine GPT four is still the best LLM out there, but with the the functions that that I use now in the open source uh, with the functionality that I put together, it's actually um, all of the almost all I shouldn't I don't know but if it's all of them but many many of the speech to text services. Are based on Whisper, uh, which was re- developed and re- released by OpenAI, and uh, w- which is available open source. So, and right. so the, 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 there, the state of the art performance is open sourced, and right. whatever they put on top as their own magic sauce is is rarely something that I need. I what I need is like 
the uh, the, the the speech to text functionality with um, like at low cost with high precision, and uh, th that I can get from the open source. Right. Okay. So this this is interesting as well. So. I mean, that makes sense. So part of the open source stack is more state of the art, right? And mm -hmm. some parts are still held, you know, closed source by OpenAI, Anthropic, yeah. Google, etc. right? That makes a lot of sense. And you can also see, I guess that that will be like an informing factor in how you, um, in what kind of setup you have, right? So for example, mm -hmm. at Multiply, as you know, right, we, for our, our customers who are like, you know, uh, primarily marketing agencies and, and you know, in-house marketing teams, then, you know, relevance and quality uh, of, you know, the text uh, generated uh, is mm -hmm. like extremely important. So that means we can do a lot of stuff before we generate the final text. You know, if there's a lot of data, we can compress it. You know, you upload 10 files or, you know, you link 10, 10 web pages or whatever that you want as input for, you know, the content you're producing. And then we can compress it. But the final thing we still need, I mean, need, we'll see. But our judgment so far has been to go with GPT-4 uh, in mm -hmm. the final step because the quality uh, is is so important. Both of the, like, just the, the, the vocabulary used, right? The style that's very important, you know, for whether it's a marketing agency or an in-house marketing team to communicate in, you know, the brand voice and the exact style in the same format as previous content, et cetera. But also uh, to actually have high relevance to use all that input data to in you know with the reasoning engine which is superior yeah. to like actually produce very very highly relevant and engaging uh, content so that's interesting mm -hmm. and there like the which is going to segment to another part of this but but it's interesting there with with audio and text to text to audio that it it's further mm -hmm. along there like it's it's closer to state of the art yeah. um that's i mean that makes a lot of sense um, and there, I, I think uh, one one keyword uh, that you also think about is that you you say that in the final step, Multiply needs to use GPT four, and that's true for uh, what I'm building uh, on uh, on my side as well. That I'm for for reasoning, I don't want to settle for anything less than state of the art for like to use the best intelligence available. And right now, that's GPT four. But both in Multiply's case and and with kindship, what we what we do as an optimization, both for cost and speed, is to use a lower, a less capable model uh, as pre steps, like feed, like to put together the context for for the for the expensive GPT four yeah. um, uh, AI, and that can I think there um, it's there's a very good. Um, there, there are very good benefits of in exploring where where exactly are the best performance cost benefit uh, ratio, and and in my case, uh, like in a conversation, I will model the AI as uh, as a human is sort of modeled uh, uh, in our heads. We have famously system system one and two responsible right. for thinking fast and slow, and the, and in my case, like the AI, the portion of the AI that will need to think fast could be uh, like a Llama 2 chat model because I can host it on the same machine as the as the rest of the functionality. It doesn't have to, the data doesn't have to traverse uh, over the web um, like two more jumps back and forth. 
before for that to happen. So it can, it can it's also very performant to have everything on the same machine. This is perfect segment exactly what I wanted to to go to, which is reliability and latency. So those have been like two of the main kind of factors where like you know in multiply we've been uh, you know we are of course experimenting with different things but making a serious push to take uh, part of the kind of api layer um, i mean in-house so to say mm. not via api uh, mm. and and there's two parts there right so the reliability because you know the kind of apis can you know have downtime that is out of your own control or they can mm. be kind of overwhelmed with traffic there's like some famous memes and jokes around it even though we're, we're mm. able to manage that well i'd say um in our case uh, but then there's the latency part like what's your experience with latency like is the so to be very clear right when you send like a prompt to to any ai model right mm. then there's you know, of course the, the the time it takes for that information to go to the other end, then it's the mm. time for that information to be processed by uh, the LLM, by the model, uh, and yeah. then it's time it's tend to send to, like time it takes to send back. Like so, do you like? And then that of course turns out to the total time for mm. like doing the task you ask it to. Um, like what's what's your what's your experience so far with like latency? Uh, because I could argue theoretically that mm. it shouldn't make a difference because you're still like you know, running it through the same model and the transport time, so to say, over the web is just milliseconds. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I could also yeah. argue that it, that it is. So, like, what's your experience so far with latency? Well, um, so far, latency hasn't been uh, much of a, an issue at all. And I and with AI models, they, they are doing so much uh, computation that just, as you say, like the, the latency is just a few extra milliseconds on something that can very well take hundreds of milliseconds. So uh, the, the latency transporting that doesn't amount to much, uh, actually. But it, it is when you're doing more complex tasks, when you're going to, pro the, the data runs to a pipeline of, of many models that maybe then it will start to, uh, right. if each of those jumps between models are, are in the pipeline have that, that latency of, of, of a few extra milliseconds, that can start to amount to something. And uh, but but in general, uh, the it's the overall computation that is the the hurdle that I need to get over in order to achieve a real time system. And uh, the latency of transporting it is is uh, less of an issue. And there's so uh, amazing technologies with web sockets and so on that can have uh, almost instantaneous data transfer to anywhere in the world. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean that's 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 good to know. I mean, because my sense is that on the topic of like having a pipeline of, I mean, models or steps in mm -hmm. in terms of getting your result, like a big part of it, it seems to me, is trying to reduce the amount of data that goes to the final, uh, slow yeah. and smart model. Yeah. Uh, so that we're playing around with a bit when we're like uh, compressing information. If there's mm -hmm. like a lot of information, then we can either, you know, compress it so it just fits within like GPT-4 context window, or we can compress it maximally to get yeah. like a smaller prompt as we think can work uh, to like, so less data, more dense mm -hmm. information uh, to the GPT-4 model, which both uh, reduces cost because that one is much more expensive per token than the models we use earlier in the pipeline, uh, mm -hmm. but also speed because it's slower. So uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess that's part of what you're doing, right? It's like, a, if you, especially when you take like conversation per millisecond, right? Does, does that sort of rhyme with your thoughts around yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and uh, also the, normally you have a lot of uh, possibilities in creating a user experience where late, latency doesn't matter, where you can cover up the latency with uh, some some funny animations to look at or some progress bar that the user will will think, oh, that that's a very fast progress bar. I don't I don't need to. And uh, it's just that in my case, uh, when you when when I'm trying to have a um, or create a very flowy, like a state of the art flowy conversation with an AI. A progress bar is not going to cut it, and uh, like a, a fancy yeah. animation to cover up a delay will actually not be as as uh, it will never be as good as uh, having an immediate response. So that that's why that I I'm, I'm not it's not my focus yet, but it's like shaving every millisecond of the response time is going to be crucial for me in the end. Right, interesting, and. Is there any way to like dive into? So we talked about, like we we touched on trade offs, right? Mm. But are there any like more details you can give there in your case or in, or in other cases you know about, like in terms of, um, you know the, uh, I mean if if I mean I guess if listeners are thinking about you know something specifically they want to solve, there are a lot of options. You know they are everywhere from yeah. you know going directly to a no code tool such as ours, right, with multiply and solving it, and then you can. Uh, you know, build something uh, with, you know, with an API, build it yourself, mm. or you can go and take it, you know, steps further, right? And and self-host, et cetera, like what you're mm. exploring now. Like what, uh, do you have any, like any any general learnings or any, any examples that you think are relevant? I, I think that the overall process is, uh, that we talked about in the beginning of the episode is very good to, to, um, um, to employ that you that you start with using APIs, and then when you re- start realizing what models uh, you act, are you actually useful for your use case, then you start looking to self-hosting them if you run into uh, the need for that, because yeah. the like the speed of innovation is also crucial for any business or whatever you want to do. Like to get to the to actually trying what you what you want to achieve, trying it out uh, in the real world is is really like uh, uh, crucial so uh, and and using existing production ready apis for that is just unbeatable because you is there's there's always a lot of hassle hosting your own things there's no matter like i i'm not an experienced super, like full stack developer but uh, it will it you it requires a really experienced developer to never run into any any yeah. problems and like I don't know that if that person even exists because everybody is challenging themselves to like to push themselves to the next level where the challenges are, and uh, uh, so but that that workflow works great like starting with APIs and then seeing do we really need to go to a self-hosted solution because the, maybe the API is just as good, but also um, the uh, like keeping. Uh, um, an eye on exactly like where, where what is my usage will i call this rarely and then maybe it's it's better to to use an api uh, will i call this all the time maybe it's that better to self-host even though it's a simple solution 
and because I wanted to have running all the time. And mm. then there is also the sort of the middle ground where there are also serverless GPUs now to rent from from uh, RunPod and others other providers where you can deploy your own Docker image with your own AI models, but they are not alive until you actually call them. And then they are, they, are, they are live for five seconds before they go to sleep. So you you only pay for the seconds that you that you use instead of paying by the hour. Interesting. I mean, I think like from what I see, both you know, with uh, with friends within the space and with our customers, uh, is that like usually, like what, the the pattern I'm seeing is that like the vast majority of people are like who are you know starting to look at using AI right uh, and and like a lot more of them than than you might think like it's much broader like in in terms of adoption that I, than than what I initially thought uh, is that first people start with you know the super simple version right just use chat GPT or midjourney for a simple thing right and then mm-hmm. when they try to discover like they discover a workflow uh, then they you know try it via some kind of no code tool, you know, make.com, et cetera, something where you can like set up a, or, or Sapir, like set up an if this, then that, you know, flow of things happening. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, in, in our case, you know, actually looking at, you know, in an organization, like trying to approach it systematically, like which workflows do we have and like build them all in one place so they can be shared within the team, right? And, and you know, used by everyone. Uh, but then it's interesting because I think like the way this is happening, right? It's It's like, in all of these kind of generations of software, it's like either there is an application and the person, and, and then, you know, someone, you, you use that to get it done or there isn't. And then either you have someone building it as a product to offer to you, or you build mm-hmm. it yourself if it's need for, for like to have it internally, you know, proprietary within your company, even though it's not your product, it's part of your process. Right. Uh, and there it seems like, I mean, the the kind of, I agree with you, the way to go about it, if you can't solve what you want to do with kind of the uh, ready-made consumer tools or the no-code kind of tools, uh, then you start with API. And when you run into limits, because you have something specific you want to get done, yeah. then, and if you run into the limits, whether they are in terms of, you know, latency, maybe not the primary one or cost uh, or uh, or because of the flexibility you need, then you go down the stack. So it's it's interesting. It might it's 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 I don't know. I just think it's very impressive that already yeah. like a year into this, you have that you have that kind of I'm not sure what to call it, but those it's levels easy. of the stack that 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 exactly. offer you know these different versions. It's mm-hmm. like the speed is is quite incredible. Yeah, it is, and and it it really also speaks to uh, the the power of of uh, human collaboration that we as humanity create this. Uh, these AI workflows and and these solutions, and each of us make our own sort of puzzle of we, how we fit the pieces together, and we can do it on different levels. Like uh, some do it in a in a, just in a service, and some do it in no code, and as you and and some do it very close to the bare metal with with coding their own models and training their own models from scratch. And uh, but the, but the sharing that is going on, no matter if it's through an API or through through open source, putting a project on GitHub and putting the research paper out and publishing it, 
what you've achieved, like that that the scale of collaboration that humanity is achieving is is completely astounding and marvelous. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I agree. I guess just one last thing we didn't touch upon, maybe it's not necessary, but I think like one major driver for what you're doing and been been exploring now is just keeping your data in-house, right? Yes. Um, even though like, I mean, for example, for our like customers, some of them uh, have been using ChatGPT a lot prior to using Multiply. And then they're like, oh, we can't do this in ChatGPT because they will train uh, they will use that data for training their models. But actually, mm-hmm. like in, in the terms of service we have with OpenAI, uh, you know, they can't use our data to train their models. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have to delete it, you know, either upon request or latest after 30 days. Um, but there's still that drive for the, for like, oh, like make, being sure that your data doesn't leave the system and doesn't leak uh, yeah. for a lot of different cases. And I think that's going to be a major, major driver for say run pod and like for the demand for self-hosting, uh, mm. you know, uh, models uh, in different ways, um, at and, least and from what I've seen. Yeah, and, and that's also uh, like perhaps one final uh, benefit of the self-hosted model that you can, if you build a commercial solution, if you self-host everything in the end, after you like you prototype with a lot of APIs, once you're you have achieved full self-hosting, you can also offer that box inside a company's in inside the walls of a company or with like within the home of an individual, and that that they can they can also feel that we have full ownership of both the software and the data, and uh, and uh, that 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 benefit is impossible with with APIs, and. Um, and APIs as a collaboration model, uh, so to speak, is has also a lot of benefits. But the privacy and and integrity and ownership of data is, is really a benefit of self-hosting. That's actually really interesting. That like I don't know. This is probably a topic for another episode. But just the final kind of thought that hit me from that is that this drive might be you know almost a return to like installing software on your own computer. So to say, mm-hmm. because yeah. say if I want to install my you know AI assistant uh, and I want to make sure that you know I can trust it and my data doesn't go anywhere and also it's quick and everything, then that's basically going to be like a package that I install on my computer and then maybe I trust that you know Apple has strong encryption and you know my data on my hard drive won't leave there, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, which is you know very similar to how the open source community offers you know you know they offers the self-hosting right whereas yeah. we've been used to software that is run in the cloud for a long time so it might be like that this is like i don't know that this this closing the circle yeah sort of right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well be. let's see yeah i mean topic for another episode maybe but thanks a lot martin mm-hmm. it's been fun yeah thank you too and thank you to our listener uh being with us all the way to the end of the episode this has been co-creating with ai And as always, get in touch if you want to have uh, questions or input on future episodes.